Welcome to the State of Being show. I'm your podcast host, Michelle Saya. Every Friday, I release a guest episode interviewing individuals from all walks of life on what it means to be an empowered empath, as well as redefining what success means while staying authentic to our calling. Today, I have the amazing pleasure of welcoming Bianca de Roos, who is an inspiring and passionate being, consciously helping people connect with their inner self so they discover their soul being, their intuition, and their spiritual abilities, as well as working in harmony to shine their light from a place of pure alignment, love, and joy. She is also an animal communication speaker, mentor, and communicator who works outside the norm, bringing clarity and trust by guiding people to feel confident, safe, and empowered to connect to their inner self and their spiritual skills through connecting with their pets. Her spiritual awakening all started when she was approached by a wild snake who communicated with her and told her what her life purpose is. And before that, she never has spoken or communicated with animals in such a way. So I found her journey and her spiritual path to be very compelling and full of wisdom, healing, and learning. I hope you enjoy this episode. I'm Bianca de Rose. I'm based in Sydney, Australia, and um, I am... My main focus is connecting people back to their soul. So I'm the founder of Connecting Soul Beings, and that is a community, but also all my programs are coming under that banner. And I help people to awaken to themselves, to their inner self, back to their soul. And I do that through animal communication and soul coaching. Now, the animal communication actually came to me in a very interesting way. Before that, I was already waking up myself. I got to really hone in on my spiritual abilities. And um, it was a really interesting process because when you, do, when you wake up, there is so much coming with that, right? There's so many influences and inner searching that you're doing as well and trying to understand what it is that you're actually experiencing. And so during that time I had, I've always been involved with animals anyway. Like I grew up with horses and dogs and, you know, it's, it's always been a real fascination for me to understand what they are actually feeling, thinking, understanding. And when I, when I moved to Australia, a few years later, I got dogs and one of them, Toby, used to always sit in front of me and stare, just stare at me. And I used to go, what are you saying? Like, I know you're saying something. I knew that, but I couldn't understand it. And then um, back in 2011, I actually went on a bushwalk with a friend of mine and we were sitting down at one point and just enjoying our, the environment. We were having our sandwiches. And all of a sudden, in my head, I heard this, this question pop up. Hello, can you hear me? And I was like, oh, okay, whatever that is. I sort of ignored it initially. And then again, hello, can you hear me? And it became more prominent, more pushy. Hello, hello, can you hear me? And then in the end, I was like, okay, okay, I can. But I thought to myself, this is really strange because it's sort of my voice, but it's not. And it became really pushy because I wasn't acknowledging it. 
And so I thought, listen, now I'm going crazy as well. You know, <laughs> I've got all this stuff happening and now I'm hearing things too. This is really, really weird. So um, I acknowledged the voice and I go, okay, yes, I can hear you, but who are you? And um, the voice said, well, I'm a snake. And I go, yeah, right. <laughs> that can't be. So I asked if it wanted to show itself to me. And he goes, no, I actually cannot because your friend is afraid of snakes and I don't want to upset her. But I'm checking in with you because I need to make sure that you can hear me because you need to go out into the world and do your job, connect people back to the animals. And I was just flabbergasted. I was just sitting there going, whoa, what just happened? And my friend was sitting next to me. She looked at me and she goes, something just transpired. Like I can see it in your face. What happened? And I looked at her and I go, are you afraid of snakes? She went white instantly, jumped up, started frantically looking around. And I just looked at her going, I did not know that. <laughs> it was, but it was an affirmation. And so I, I calmed her down and go, look, he's already gone. And then when I came home that afternoon, Obviously, your dogs, you know, they jump up, they excited that you're coming home. But Toby all of a sudden stopped. He sat down, he looked at me. And what I heard was really amazing. It was like, finally, you can hear me. Mm. And all this information came over me. And I was just like, you have to stop. I don't know what this is, what I need to deal with it, how, like, it was so overwhelming. But he was so excited because he had so much to share with me. So then I started finding about finding out about what that actually means to be able to hear animal voices and what to do with that in a everyday life, really. And that just opened up more floodgates to understand the animals, but also to connect better with myself and to connect better with spirit as well. So, you know, the hearing was amplified even more so. And that started the whole journey off to firstly help the animals. And now... I'm actually helping people in a way that the animals are supporting us mm. because for me personally, my purpose is not necessarily helping the animals, even though that's still part of it, but they've told me that I'm here to help the humans with the animals. Mm. So by them presenting themselves with certain ailments perhaps, or, you know, behavioral changes that gets the connection between me and the animal, but it also allows me then to work with their humans as well. So, and that's how Connecting Soul Beings was born because it's all about, you know, being able to have the connection together, firstly with yourself. And once you have that sort of connection with you, then it opens up for you to be able to communicate at an energetic and vibrational level with animals, with, you know, plants, trees, you know, all of nature and the spirit world as well. And you can then choose what you want to do with that as well, whether you just apply that in your everyday life or whether you want to help other people with this as well. Beautiful. Wow. Yeah. Mm. There's so many things I want to ask you just from your introduction. Um, but one thing I definitely am curious about is what did your life look like before all of this happened, before you knew you could communicate with animals? And then what does your life look like now, today? Wow, that's a very good question. Thank you. Before, it, it's actually happened at the same time. It, it's a really interesting 
experience now that I'm thinking back about that or reflecting on it. I've always been in the corporate world and I've always worked in corporate finance. So starting my, my spiritual journey and learning about what it is to connect to your inner self and to find out that, yes, we do have a level of knowing and wisdom and we can tap into that, which is our intuition and ultimately our higher self. Having those two worlds come together was, was a beautiful way to experience it, but also very, very frustrating. Mm. So I did not understand and I kept asking and analyzing why this is happening, what is happening to me. So I wanted to really make it tangible for myself. And having that corporate analytical, you know, financial background <laughs> just did not compute. So I did go through a period in my life where I felt quite alone in this, almost depression. And it wasn't until I found other people that were experiencing the same thing or have done it before that I learned how to integrate it. And that's when I started to discover, hey, you know, it's just, it's not just me. It's not just my physical family and friends. I also have a spiritual family. So I found them and being able to connect with them helped me to further expand and to really understand more of how can I work with this every day? So initially I will use it for myself. And it started off with learning about energy healing mm -hmm. because when I started my spiritual awakening, it started off with my hands that I had energy coming out of my hands and I didn't know what to do with that. So I learned Reiki healing. So I became a Reiki master and a Shambhala master, which is working with the master realms and a more amplified way of energy healing. And at the same time, through my corporate career, I also became a coach because I was working for a big financial company and they wanted their managerial uh, people to become a coach in the workplace. So when I learned that, I was like, but I'm already doing that. That already came natural to me. And it is interesting because over the years, you know, when I was a child, I wanted to become a nurse. And then in corporate, I sort of grew to become a manager and I was teaching and coaching, but also nurturing. And then I became a healer. And I'm like, because I was initially also like, oh, I've never really become a nurse. I wonder why. But in some weird way, I still am mm -hmm. because I'm nursing people. I'm nurturing them, you know, and then I'm mentoring and coaching and teaching, healing. So, it, you know, from the start, that was already there underneath the surface. So once I learned how to apply it for myself, people started asking questions around, oh, what are you actually doing? Because not only did this affect me personally, it also affected the people around me. And during my spiritual awakening, I also finally understood who I am as a human being and discovered I didn't even have the right people around me. I was married at the time and that relationship was non-existent, but I'd never realized it because I wasn't conscious of that. So I lived a life within that quite hidden away is probably the best description and 
when I learned more about myself, I also discovered, hang on a minute, I'm actually with the wrong person, but I'm also with the wrong gender. <laughs> so not only came did I come out of the spiritual closet, I also came out of the gay closet. Yeah. And so that relationship I walked away from. And, um, and that was the best thing I've ever done for me because it really allowed me to acknowledge myself and to honor myself. And now, you know, even though we are so enhanced and living on a higher vibration and working with the energies, we're still human beings. So we still go through ups and downs. It's not like we are always, you know, at that spiritual level, right? Even yeah. though we would love to be, but we still have our human experience. Now it's, you know, I've left the corporate world quite a few years ago because I was made redundant and I thought, mm, okay, sign from the universe. <laughs> Let's just take it and run with it. Yeah. And so I work at, work with this work every single day. So now I teach people how to communicate with animals. I teach them how to connect to themselves. And it's just amazing to be able to do that. You know, at the same time, I'm still evolving. Yeah. I'm still going through new learning and leveling up. Yeah. And I'm in a beautiful relationship, happily married and, you know, in Australia, for me, you know, one of the best countries in the world. So yeah, it's it's amazing. It's amazing how much courage you had to step into in order to obtain the life that you do now. It's, I hear so many stories of people that go through their own spiritual awakening and the amount of just it's, su it's such an energetically scary and also exciting new phase in their life, this doorway into the unknown. And so I wanted to take a moment and commend you on your bravery because it's not easy. There's so many threads and bits and pieces in your story where I so resonated with, especially the part where just beginning on your spiritual waking journey, it's lonely because you realize the people around you do not align with the path that you're on. And so what you're doing and what you've been doing, it's just so courageous. So thank you for stepping into it and being that light for other people. Yeah. Thank you. Thank yeah. you so much. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It, it is very, very lonely. And that is also one of the reasons why I share my story because I don't want other people going through the same experience. Yeah. There are so many more people out there now who have gone through it already that can help. And you can see now that people are coming out of the woodworks because they are waking up. They do see that we can live differently, that we can be different, that we can have what we truly want for ourselves and our family and our friends. And we are already connected. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We're already connected. You know, it's yeah. literally helping to remind you what you can do to connect back to yourself mm -hmm. and to learn what your inner voice sounds like. Yeah. To tap into that. Absolutely. And we bring our human self on that path as well. 
And that's the biggest challenge. Oh, yeah. Getting our human <laughs> to work it. with our inner self. Right. Absolutely. And that's where the struggle comes in for a lot of people. Yeah. We have so, been through that very yeah. recently as well. And it's, you have to go through it. Absolutely. To fully understand what you're stepping into. Mm-hmm. Also let go of old patterns, the old way of being and to fully embrace who you are at a soul level because otherwise you're not going to get through this. Mm-hmm. 100%. I absolutely agree with that. It's it's a pathway where at some point it it's not even a choice that we make. It's this thing that just stares back at us and the more we ignore it, the louder and louder it gets. And it's just this nudging that you just can't ignore. So I absolutely hear you on that. And my next question is, we were talking earlier about how humans are here to communicate with animals and how we can help animals. So I want to talk a little bit more about that. Mm-hmm. What is the purpose behind the animal and the human connection? What's the wisdom behind that? The wisdom behind that is most of the time when I am in that relationship and I'm the conduit between the human and the animal, it's them helping us to understand that we are living in the present moment. That we do need to look at ourselves and understand how we show up every single day and what it is that we can do to shift into a direction that we really want to be in. Because as a human being, we either live in the past or we live in the future. For some strange reason, it is a big challenge that we actually stay in the present moment and we have to keep pulling ourselves back into that. It's extremely difficult. That is probably the biggest lesson that they are giving us. They also want to make sure that we live from a place of absolute, unconditional love so that we can live in harmony because they see what we do to ourselves to others and the earth yeah and they they have so much love for us they have so intense love for who we are as a being they don't even see you know the human side of us in that sense or the soul side they don't have that choice They see us as a being, a being of light. Mm. And they want us to see ourselves in that perspective too. Yeah. And often, and that is why animals suffer often too, because they they live with us. And and I'm talking about domestic animals at the moment. They live with us 
they see what we are going through, they see our suffering and they take that away from us. So most of the work that I do with the animals is to teach them to not take that on. But that's how much they love us. They don't want us to suffer. Yeah. So for us to help them take ownership of what we experience, how we show up and what we do every single day. Look at how we interact and behave because everything that we do affects our animals. Not only that, it affects us, but also the people around us. But humans that absolutely love animals and they have them as part of their family, they do everything they can to love that animal and they forget about themselves. Mm. And the animal thinks, well, if you're not doing that, then I'll take it on for, for you so that you can be whole and happy and everything else, but I'll take it on. So that animal gets sick or changes a behavior. They take over that suffering. And I teach the animals not to do that, to give it back to us. Yeah. It reminds, you- yeah, it reminds me when you describe it in a really weird way. I think about codependent relationships like where love and codependency gets very blurred because, mm-hmm. and I'm also on my own healing journey, um, dealing with codependency issues. When I think of unconditional love, sometimes I feel like people that struggle with learning healthy relationship attachments or understanding what unconditional love is, there's a blurry line between codependency and just loving without any sort of attachments. And so when you were talking about the relationship between a domestic pet and animal and a human, I I think to the relationship where my mom has with her dogs, they're just completely inseparable. Mm -hmm. And my mom would often tell me, which this leads me to me asking you a very big question. It's a question that I always ask myself before I go to bed at night. My mom, she tells me, she's like, I can't imagine the day where these dogs that we love so much, they pass. Like, where do they go? How do I live with myself? Like I've given all my love. This, these pets are my life. Like what, what's the point of life when they're gone? So my question to you is, what's the lesson here with pets leaving our lives so soon? Like, why are their lifespans so sudden and fleeting? And what's the wisdom behind that? Well, that, that, is, that is a topic extremely close to my heart um, because I've experienced it two years ago with my own dogs. And um, it is the hardest thing that I do, part of my work, to help animals cross over. It's a really big question. <laughs> Absolutely. It's a really big question, yeah. I think it's a combination of them having already that plan mm. at a spiritual level. We all have a sacred contract. Before we come to earth, we all have a sacred contract. Before we come into this life, we sign that. And that contract is between us, our spirit teams, 
and the people that we have around us in the current life, including our animals. And I've experienced this very recently, very recently. So in that contract, we decide who we're going to be, what we're going to experience, how things are going to happen, and who do we have around us. And that's why sometimes we have someone in our lives where we say, oh, my goodness, I've known you forever. Like we had a few few weeks ago. <laughs> we had that moment before. All sisters. Yeah know each other already at a soul level you recognize each other and then we go oh but i've met you before perhaps or you feel so familiar Mm -hmm. that's what that is because we may have already had a previous life and we're definitely already very familiar with each other at that spiritual level yeah because we are connected at a soul level already we all are one with our animals and i know that there is also and i you know i'm not an expert at this by far that every physical form has a certain expected life length in the physical reality, right? So humans are expected to live X amount of years. Animals are expected to live X amount of years. And I think that's related to how their body shape is maybe, or their DNA, or I, I, that I don't know. In that physical realm, I'm not understanding fully why it is that, you know, dogs only live up to, you know, 15 or so years. There are exceptions to that rule, obviously. Some only live five years, others live 20 years. I don't know why that is from a physical perspective. From a soul perspective, I know that there is a contract in place between that animal and the human that looks after them. Mm. They're human guardians. And I know this because only last week, was I connected with my little girl dog, Rosie. So I had two dogs, Rosie and Toby. They were brother and sister. And um, they passed within like a month of each other. Mm. They were 15. Now, I had a lot of guilt around her passing in particular and a lot of anger and frustration. And I couldn't deal with that. And only until last week was I told by her why that was and that I needed to let that go. Mm. We can have such a strong relationship with our animals. And like I said earlier, we might forget about ourselves. We can certainly love an animal to the point where we give all our love away, that there is nothing left for us. We can love a person so much that we give all our love away to that person and not have anything left for us. Mm. And that is what happened between me and Rosie. I have given her so much love that I had nothing left for me anymore. Mm. And that's why I could not let go of the guilt and the frustration and the anger when she passed. Now she passed at the age, she was nearly 15. She was only a month out of 15. Her brother made it to 15. And we were already prepared for Toby to leave the physical realm because he was really sick and he was already on palliative care. So, and we had peace with that. And he was at peace with that, although he was petrified of passing over without his sister. Mm. 
but he had hung on and hung on for you know a little bit longer than he wanted to and Rosie on the other hand passed before him and I never understood why she all of a sudden got really also she she still ate but she lost a lot of weight mm. and there are many schnauzers they're not very big at all they're only about 10 kilos but she in the end she was only about three or four kilos so very very tiny very very skinny so I took her to the doctor and I said look I don't know what's going on she does eat but she throws it up and then she eats it again so not sure and she did not give me anything I kept asking her what's going on what can I do all she said was take me to the vet she did not let on anything. Anyway, they did all the tests and x-rays and whatnot. And it turned out that her lungs and the, the beginning of the bowels were all completely covered in tumors. Oh, geez. I'm sorry. And so on that day, when I got the results, we had to make the decision. Yeah. And the doctors really said, like, there was no way that she can hang on for any longer. So... And I had a lot of guilt around it because I didn't know what was going on. She must have been sick for so long, but she never let on. Whereas Toby, on the other hand, was very different. He would always tell me straight away. So on that day, we had to, uh, we assisted her in crossing over. And it was really, I can't even describe what that feels like. I never, never, ever experienced grief like that. It really pulls you apart. And it took a long, long time. And this is now two years ago. Mm. And so um, a month later, Toby was ready to go. He literally told me on the day, he goes, call the vet, get them in. I'm ready, ready to join my sister. Okay. Again, heart-wrenching, but not with the same emotional experience that I had with Rosie and that intensity around that so until after they passed I still have connections with them they popped in once in a while and it was a big adjustment for me especially with Rosie because she was also like my business partner she used yeah. to tell me exactly you know what I was working on whether that was the right thing or not so mm -hmm. there was a huge adjustment there as well and often I asked her, like, why did you go before Toby? And once she told me, oh, I had to go to make way for him into the spirit world. Mm. Otherwise he wouldn't go because he was really scared. And I knew he was scared. And I go, okay, that's really sweet of you. Not until last week that I understand fully. She said to me, we had a contract in place before we were reunited in this physical life that the way I was going to pass over how it was going to happen and with what disease we already agreed on that she says you have done exactly what we agreed on every step of the way she goes this was meant to happen it is all okay just let it go and start loving yourself again and that was the most profound experience i had from her and having that acknowledgement from her to let all that go. So that's, you know, and that's not only with the animals, we can also have similar experiences with people. Yeah. Right. So I don't know 
why it is that some people live shorter, longer, animals live longer or short. I, you know, from a physical perspective, I don't know. Yeah. From a spiritual perspective, we already have agreed that that is going to happen. We already have deep down that agreement that we are going to pass at a certain age and what gets us to that point and how it's going to happen. Who do we have around us at that point as well? So we can certainly find out. There are ways that you can go into what they call Akashic records to find out what your soul contract is because every single soul has a book Mm-hmm. that has all the lifetimes in there, all the agreements, all experiences and lessons and whatever else you want to do in physical lives. Because sometimes even we pass and we don't even come back as a physical form. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's spirits have told me I'm either coming back, so reincarnate, mm. or no, I'm actually not coming back. I'm staying in the physical realm. I've even experienced a dog that I connected with that committed suicide. She ran in front of a car, got killed, and she goes, I did that because I didn't want to be in the physical world anymore. And I'm not coming back. It was not a joyous experience. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a very... And and I feel I'm not even touching the surface on this. It's very nuanced. Every... I've always had this... So I can't communicate with animals. Sometimes when I look into any of my dogs, their eyes, I know they're trying to talk to me. I know they're trying to say something. Mm-hmm. Or if I'm like, if I'm extremely sad, if I'm dealing with some sort of extreme grief, because the last couple of years, we've had people that have passed and I've, I've had to grieve. And fortunately, my dogs were there. And it's so, it's such a strange feeling. When they look in your eyes, it's it's almost as if you're convinced. You're like, this dog knows what I'm going through, mm. you know. And I have people in my life that they're not as spiritually conscious. I I do believe that all humans are on a spiritual journey. It's just, some of them are consciously aware of them, and some of them are not. And for those in my life that uh, are not that spiritually inclined. They, they're skeptical and they tell me, you know, you're just projecting your own emotions onto this animal. And even some of my other religious friends, they tell me that animals have no soul. And whenever I hear that, I, my soul, there's this gut part of me that just feels soul crushing because I know it's not true. I, I know it's not true. And yeah, and so I do have, I've had experiences communicating with my ancestors and I've, I've had dreams where I've spoken to my great grandparents with, yeah. And so, but with animals, it's something where I would love to foster and cultivate a deeper connection with them. So what is, what are some tips and advice for you know, pet owners that do want to cultivate that deeper connection? Like what's that first step that they can do? First of all, I love that you can connect with your ancestors. That is so amazing. Really, really amazing. We can learn so much from them. 
Yeah, powerful, very powerful. Yeah, the first step is to, I mean, when you say already, you know, I look at my dogs, I look in their eyes and I feel what they say, like, you know that they're talking to you. Mm. It depends on how we receive and process information. So before I go into, you know, some of the steps that we can take to have that deeper connection, I would like to share what, what the connection is that we can experience, like how we can experience this. Sure. So from what I have learned and teach people is that whatever connection we have, it shows up in a way that we can best understand and process information. The best way for us to receive it and to learn from those messages as well. And it's almost similar to your learning styles and how you actually gain the information. Because what we do when we connect, we, okay, so humans, like that, there is vibration, right? Mm -hmm. Something vibrates based on a energy level that holds a frequency. And I always compare it to when you've got a, a road in front of you and it's a really hot day. You can see those wavy movements on the road from, from the heat, right? That's, yeah. that's vibration. And that's energy because the heat generates that of the road. That's how I see that as well in terms of us vibrating. And, and sometimes our vibration is not as intense and people then say, well, it's lower than with others and when you work with your vibration you can level it up which means you are increasing the intensity of your vibration we all live at a certain vibrational level that matches to a frequency and that frequency allows us to feel that frequency allows us to communicate it allows us to receive information so when we tune into a certain frequency by adjusting our vibration, we can then start to understand a different level of information. So for example, probably the, the other analogy is a radio, the old fashioned radio. Yeah. <laughs> At the moment, everything is digital, but the old fashioned radio where you've got that red indicator and all the numbers of the stations and you turn that knob on the radio and you hear that crackling noise. Mm -hmm. You turn it until you start hearing clear voices or music. Mm. That number is a frequency of that radio station. It's an audio frequency. So once you have the right radio station, you can hear very clearly the music and, and the person that is talking or singing, mm. right? Yeah. When we tune in, and that's why I always call it tuning in. When we are tuning in to our frequency, we can assess where our frequency is. We can assess the intensity of our vibration and we can adjust it. So spiritually, we can adjust it by meditating, grounding, thinking happy thoughts, mm -hmm. dancing. All these things make our vibration really intense and our frequency is raised 
Therefore, we are open to more experience, information, etc. So when we want to communicate with our animals, we tune into a frequency where the animal is at. What you do is looking at your dog's eyes and you go, I know you're telling me stuff, but I can't hear you. Mm-hmm. By you acknowledging you can't hear, that's the block. Mm. So the first step could be look into your dog's eyes and ask, what are you telling me? I'm open to receiving your information. I'm open to hearing your voice or feeling what you're telling me or sensing what you're telling me yeah. or send me pictures or colors or you know, send me a song that has the message that you're telling me. Yeah. Or come from a place of wonder. I wonder what you're saying right now. And then take a really deep breath and then allow it to come in. Because every single person also going back to the learning styles, if you learn by watching a movie, seeing pictures or a, a slideshow, that means you are quite visual. Mm-hmm. Right. So that is the best way for you to absorb information and to learn. That often means when you are spiritually awakening, you are very visual in receiving information from other beings. Mm. So that means you may be very well clairvoyant because you yeah. can see, right? If you are learning more via audio, so you're listening to lectures and you're listening to podcasts and audio and things like that, that often means when you are spiritually using your skills that you are clear audience. So you are hearing with your spiritual ears. Yeah. So you use your, your human ears, but there isn't a level up in that almost like a, a different element that you can hear more intensely and you can hear everything else that other people that are not awake can't hear. That is my primary one, is the hearing, but also the sensing and the feeling, right? Because I'm quite kinesthetic, so I need to feel and I need to be able to sense things. So I feel and then I hear very, very clearly. Once I use my hands, so if I, for example, put my hands on an animal to understand what goes on for them, I can see. I can all of a sudden see images and, you know, colors and I can see what goes on in their body. So you can use a combination of things to start off by understanding your animal. It is coming from that place of wonder. Mm. Then if you want to go a little bit deeper into that, what you start doing is connecting to yourself first. And very simply, you can put your hands on your heart and just sit for a minute or so and just breathe into your heart space. Open that up. So see maybe a flower opening up, representing your heart opening and send green light to your, to your dogs and say, I'm sending you green light of love. That's my heart color, unconditional love. I would love to have a connection with you. I'd love to have a conversation. Is that okay? And intuitively you will get a sense that you have that approval from them, that permission. Mm -hmm. Because that's the one thing I always say, whoever you connect with, whether it's an animal soul or a human soul or someone who's passed over, always make sure you have the permission. Mm. 
because you're not barging into a house without asking can I come in yeah I I can absolutely see that (laughs) because you respect the space right (laughs) yeah and that's the same yeah if we don't have that permission then there is no connection yeah but those are probably the first two steps I would Mm -hmm. advise to practice with and because you know, and especially people who are already spiritually awake, but they haven't necessarily connected to animals, they can use their spiritual skills to also communicate to animals. Because mm. if you can, if you listen to your intuition and you have a clear connection with yourself, or you have a clear connection when you meditate, when your spirit guides come in perhaps, or you talk to people that have passed over, you use the same methods that you do for yourself to also communicate to the animals. Yeah, that makes sense. And you don't have to be in the same room. I was just about to ask that. I was, (laughs) there's like a two-part question to everything that you've been saying. It's so helpful, by the way. So thank you for providing that insight and wisdom. My, My next question to you is for pets that are long distance what are ways that we can connect with them energetically even knowing that our pets might be across the world or across the country how do we communicate with them besides facetiming and them being like why is my owner through this little digital screen yeah exactly um yeah As I said before, we connect through energy, vibration, and frequency. Mm. So it doesn't matter where a person or a dog or a cat or a snake, where they are. They can be around the world. We can still connect with them. Mm. Because the frequency is already there. Yeah. When you visualize them in your mind or you have a picture in front of them, in front of you of them. You don't even need that, but sometimes that can be helpful. Just picture them in your mind. Send that message out into the universal ether Mm -hmm. and you're instantly connected. I love that, yeah. And that's what I love about the work that we do. And especially now that we are mostly online, Mm -hmm. we can still continue to have the connection with people. I mean, when you talk to someone on, on video conference or even over the phone, you know, you can feel their energy come through. Yeah, absolutely. Right? So that's the same thing. You don't, you know, you're not physically in a room then either. Yeah. You can that still means- feel their energy. Yeah. So, and sometimes for, and in particular for animals, it sometimes works better to not be in their space. Mm because they are more relaxed because they don't have to focus on, oh my God, I've got a stranger coming into my house and I need to have my family. And, you know, so there's all these other jobs that come up for them and then they're not relaxed enough. But if I come in from an energetic point of view, it is much more gentle to do that. When I do go into their environment, again, before I even drive out to my client's house, I ask permission to the animal, is it okay for me to come? Mm. Because if they do not want me on their property, I will let my client know. And then I go, I can meet you, but I'll meet you at a cafe. Yeah. And I'll connect to your animal through that. 
sometimes it's beneficial being in the house because I can sense also what goes on in their physical environment. Yeah. In the home. But now that I say that, that doesn't really matter either because the animal can show me around their house. So I can tune into their energy and actually ask them, can you show me what your house looks like? Can you Mm. show me where you believe we may need to work to clear some energy? And they do that as well. It's almost like I then somehow merge with their energy and see. It's like I'm being literally carried through the house. (laughs) Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. I yeah. didn't know. Yeah. I didn't know that you could do that. So for clients that reach out to you, um, and ask for your support and help, what are some of the pain points and problems that people often struggle with when they reach out to you for? Yeah, probably the most common ones are behavioral changes. Mm, okay. Um, illness, if they feel Mm. that their animals are sick or they may have a physical challenge and the vet doesn't really know what's going on or they've exhausted all avenues, then they come to me because I can ask the animal what is really going on, how do they feel, you know, what do they want us to do? Because sometimes we don't even have to go to the vet. Mm. Sometimes it could be, you know, a small change in their diet or we can have a natural remedy that can help them with something or sometimes it's okay I don't want to go to the vet there's nothing wrong with me you know I just need some training or Mm -hmm. I'm bored and that's why all of a sudden you know your dog may all of a sudden lay down on the floor and not do anything anymore yeah looking really tired or whatever and that's a huge change well it could be that they're just bored Mm -hmm. you know they also need to be um kept busy in their mind and it's not just the dog walks Right. We also need to interact with them at a different level and, and get their mind going as well, tire them out that way. So, but behavior and physical ailments are most of the challenges that people come with. Behavior often then relates to the human guardian. Mm, okay. Right. So, yeah. There is also an element of trauma when dogs have been adopted from rescue, sometimes dogs have not processed what happened to them with previous families. And that can be very challenging. It can be very confronting for us because they show me what's happened Mm. and that can be very challenging. But um, yeah, those are probably the most prominent reasons because when a behavior changes so much that they feel, oh my God, we need some help with this. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, I work with dog trainers and dog behaviorists and I've got two vets that I work with very closely as well. But there are sometimes with trainers or even groomers, you know, a dog gets anxious to go to a groomer they don't really fully understand what's going on, even though they can see the behavior. Take a dog trainer, for example. They see the behavior. They know what needs to change, so they train them, right? But they don't necessarily understand what the underlying reason is for that behavior. Now, a dog psychologist may be able to go a bit deeper into that. Mm -hmm. 
because they don't just look at the behavior. They also look at all the body language. They look at, you know, how the dog is actually, they can see what the dog is thinking in that way, but they don't necessarily get the underlying reason from the dog themselves. Mm. And that's where an animal communicator can come in to say, I can actually talk to him or her to understand why the behavior has been triggered. What is that? Is it because they need attention because something needs to change in the family? Is it because they have experienced something before they arrived in the family? And that's in particular the case with rescues. Mm. Is it because maybe they've eaten something, they get new food and that triggers something in their body? Right. Yeah. So there's a variety of, of reasons why behavior occurs. And that that is why I always feel like, you know, I'd love to work with more vets. I'd love to work with more groomers and trainers to teach them animal communication because it will enhance their yeah. relationship with the animals that they work with. Absolutely. I can yeah. definitely I can definitely imagine how much more effective just getting down to the root of the issue. Yeah. A lot of people, they don't take into account what's not being spoken, even with humans. And so when you take that to the next level with animals, where there isn't that vocal fluency, but it's like, how do you tap into, as you said, that frequency or with the work that I do, um, we talk a lot about empathy and just really tuning into our emotions and connecting with other people. And in this case, animals with their emotions as well. I think that is a intuitive muscle that anybody, anybody can work on and just cultivate such a stronger relationship with the animal that they're working with. My next question, we talk about, you know, animals that we work with and interact with day to day do clients ever come to you long after their animals have already passed on yes they do and what kind of answers are they looking for when they come to you for support it's mostly around knowing that the animals are happy that they're Mm -hmm. pain-free are they still around do they come and visit me but also they often want to hear, to hear confirmation that, you know, they have had a good life with us or we have done the right thing by them mm-hmm. to help them with the, with the crossover, crossing over. Um, it, it's more, I feel people often want to have that affirmation that mm-hmm. yes, I've done the right thing by them and they have had a happy life and now they're even more happy. Yeah. Especially when animals have been sick. You know, we want to make sure that when they pass, they actually are no, no more in pain. Mm. I think it's, it's not much different than us wanting to know when people have passed over. Yeah. Right? We go to a medium and we'll find out, are they still with us? How are they doing? You know, what's going on up there sort of thing. And we have the same with our animals. We also want to know that. So... And it's an honor for me to be able to connect. But I must say that I'm not calling the animals back to the physical realm to connect with me. I put when when I get a booking in for that type of connection, I already put out there in the universe that I'm looking to connect with that particular soul. 
And if they come through, they come through. If not, then there's nothing I can do about that. Then we'll either reschedule or we'll have to let just let it go. Because mm. they, you know, they may not be there anymore. Maybe they've reincarnated or mm. they've got jobs to do as well. Sometimes it feels like um, when yeah. I connect with the souls, it's like they feel quite, they have this sort of busyness around them. <laughs> and then I know it's sort of like a fluttery feeling when they come through. It's like, oh yeah, you know, and, and they get excited because they've got work to do on the other side as well. Yeah. That's oh, it's um, so intriguing. Yeah, it's an interesting, interesting concept in that sense. Yeah, I'm still exploring it, and I'm still learning a lot about that too. Yeah, to yeah. I, I have. I've had some pets that have passed on, and sometimes, like when I'm, you can call it daydreaming, but like before I go to bed at night, and I'm like staring at my ceiling, and I'm wondering, it's like if there's a a pet that I'm thinking about that have passed on. I wonder, it's like you know, where are you right now, like what you're looking at right now is it pretty are you enjoying the view like do you have friends like these are questions that I often ponder about and the obvious question are you happy are you comfortable are you safe um and I think what's interesting is like as I observe myself asking these questions the fact that I even ask them there is something that's happening on the other side I don't automatically assume that they just disappear there's just nothingness there's something happening there on the other side of the veil and I may not be there to enjoy or look at the same view that they're experiencing but they're looking and they're experiencing something yeah and there is that deep knowing that that's happening and so there's there's a comfort and solace there, even though I don't quite know what they're looking at or experiencing, mm-hmm. but it is something. Um, and I find that to be very comforting and powerful. And so with that said, with people in our lives that are dealing with the death of a pet, what are some things we can tell them or what are some universal truths about a death of an animal that we can shed light and provide comfort to our loved ones to help them with their grieving process Mm. that's a beautiful question yeah it's acceptance is the first thing that we need to look at Mm. accepting that you know when our animals pass that we have got that agreement in place knowing that they are okay and the next thing that I feel that we can do is actually cut the cords with their physical appearance Mm. So what that means is that we have energetic cords to all different experiences and lifetimes and people. Cut the cords with your animal's physical experience. Because if you don't do that, you will not get a sense that they are actually around you in a spiritual way. It is very hard for us to lose someone you know, and animals absolutely are a soul, just like us. 
Yeah. And they are in a physical body. It's just a different body, <laughs> just a different shape, but they have a soul for sure. And it's very, very hard to let that go. It's what I've learned is that even though they are no longer in a physical form, you can still have the same connection with them. Mm. Sometimes even stronger and deeper because it's amplified. Oh, yeah. But we don't always realize that because we are always looking for that physical aspect. You know, hearing the feet on the, on the floor when they run to us, you know, hearing them snore on the couch, you know, that sort of stuff. That is what we are missing. Absolutely. And we can think back on that very fondly, you know. Yeah. But it's the physical thing that we are missing most and being able to tune in match their frequency again because we know what they feel like at a soul level even though we don't realize it when they're here physically with us we know what they feel like at a soul level so when we get back to that feeling then we can hear them again we can feel them again we, we can have that conversation with them yeah that's very profound and it, it kind of goes full circle to one of the first questions that I pondered about, about, you know, attachments and codependency. Mm -hmm. It's if you release the thought that everybody or every single human or being or soul that we connect to, if we release the thought that they have to be attached to a physical body and just know that we connect with them regardless through mm -hmm. energy and frequency, regardless of where they're at, whether it's at a physical distance or they've shifted into a different state where they're no longer in a physical body, they've never left. And so the love has always been there. The love has never left. I think no. part of the grief that we deal with when we lose, when we lose someone, lose is a very interesting concept in this 3D world, is that there's less love, there's more loneliness, more isolation, which feels like the lack of love. And we just aren't seeing the bigger picture, but the love has always been there. It's just in a different state. Absolutely. It doesn't, it's, it's almost, it's stateless in a way. It's mm. just abundant and infinite. And I think that me stumbling upon this wisdom as I'm having this really beautiful and deep, profound conversation with you. It's helping me with a lot of the grief that I have endured over the years with both humans and animals. It's hard for me to let souls go. Like, yeah. just it's, I have such strong attachments to people and animals. And so when something happens, it's deep. It's, it's a deep pain that I don't wish on anyone, but I, I feel like in this lifetime, everyone goes through something like this. It's inescapable that we feel this type of pain. It's part of the human and just soul experience. It's, it's powerful, it's deep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, very, absolutely. Very, 
And you're absolutely right. You know, the love will never go away. Mm -hmm. I mean, we are love. Mm -hmm. The first time I understood that was um, a very dear friend of mine passed away quite a few years ago now. When I started my coaching journey, we were at this, on the same um, coaching course together to get our certification. And I'm talking 2003, 2004. So we were with a group of people and I met this guy and just an interesting concept because he was someone that I would normally not have in my circle. Mm. I can't even explain why or how, but he would be someone that I would think, oh no, you would not even want to interact with me. Mm. Right. He was in a circle where I thought I could never get to type scenario. <laughs> he was running his own business. He was a big shot CEO, all this sort of stuff. So anyway, we ended up on this course together and we were put, we were buddied up to practice the coaching, you know, as you do, because you need to build up your hours to get your certification. So we were buddied up for quite a few months and we really started to understand each other at a very, very deep level. Mm in a way that I never understood humans could have that connection with each other. So that was the very first time that it happened. And over the years, he started to evolve and spiritually awaken. Wow. And then, you know, within a year of me working with him, I also started to awaken, but I never really told anyone that, but he was quite open about it which I found very interesting and fascinating at the time then he wrote a book and he came to Sydney because he lived up in Queensland and he came to Sydney and I bought his book it was at the book launch and this was the last time I saw him and he gave me the book he wrote in it and it was called take me to truth and in the book he wrote, I love you. You are love. And he signed it. I'm getting the chills and I'm thinking about it. And I was looking at him going, I love you. Why would he say that to me? <laughs> We're not in that kind of relationship. But yeah. that was how my brain was working because I wasn't even evolved at that level yet. Yeah. Right? That's all I knew about love is having that intimate romantic relationship. That's love. So I didn't really understand that. Then I read the book. And then I called him and I go, I was actually a little bit upset when you said in the book that you love me because we don't have that type. And he started laughing so loud. So he explained to me and he goes, you are love from a very spiritual, higher self point of view. We are all connected. We are love. And until I started to really experience that and as humans, and this is something that the animals work with us as well. That's why we love animals so deeply because they show us unconditional love, no matter what we look like, what we have done, how bad we have done something or something that we said to someone, animals will come to us and they love us anyway. The tail still wags, they give us a lick, they come to us, they nurture us, they support us, they love us. They still do that without question. Yeah. 
they are love and we see that in them. We love our animals because we see love. That's all we see when we look at an animal. So it wasn't until he actually showed that to me, that we are love. And then he moved to the States and he unfortunately passed away after a long term illness with cancer. But he's still working with us at a spiritual level. Yeah. But he taught me to be able to say to someone, I love you, not from a romantic way, but truly, I love you and you are love. When we can say that, and it, you know, the most important thing is you can say that to yourself. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Look in the mirror, look deeply into your eyes your own eyes and go I love you and in the beginning there might you might stand there going oh my god I'm just (laughs) why would I do that (laughs) right because it feels very uncomfortable because we've never done that it's so funny you brought this up because this is what I tell my clients to do it's part of the embodiment practice I'm like at first you're going to think this is corny you might not believe it when you do it enough times something shifts you're building that relationship with yourself yes yeah exactly and it takes time yeah that takes time because we have to deal with our human side that comes in and goes are you crazy what are you doing (laughs) that's nuts (laughs) but keep doing it anyway yeah right i've got little post-it notes as well in the bathroom, I've got them here on my vision board. They're in the kitchen, all about reaffirming to myself. I've got one hanging there that says, I am, I see, I help, I love, you can, I evoke, I create, I am. Oh, I it's that. all that stuff, right? So in yeah. every day I see that. I tell that to myself. Powerful. Loving ourselves the way animals love us. When you start there, that is when you start to awaken. That's when you start to experience the joy of having a human experience. You make me want to go hug my pets right now and just be like, I love you so much. (laughs) But I'm doing it energetically. They know. They, they know yes. how much I love them. This is, this is so beautiful, Bianca. I, it's funny because in the beginning of this conversation, you mentioned how, you know, the first time we had a conversation, we just, there's this familiar energy. It's like we've known each other before. And now that we're talking on the subject of love, if we are all love, love recognizes love. And so there's that recognition because the more we can see the bigger picture and know that we embody love, we are love, we can give love, we can receive love. Love receives love, love gives love. It's just never ending. It's just so infinite. And thank you for that beautiful reminder. This is very powerful and it's deeply needed. There's so many people in the world that are in so much pain 
and there's the light in the room, but they can't see it. Their attention, it's not there. And this conversation is just a reminder of just how much light there is in the room if we Mm -hmm. look at it. So thank you for that. For people that want to work with you, how can Mm -hmm. they best find you and work with you? Well, oh, many ways. Beautiful. <laughs> uh, website, biancaderose.com. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can find me there. Um, yeah, I'm happy to connect with anyone. Yeah. That's what it's all about, especially this day and age. You know, we have yeah. to remain connected. We, I feel like there is this strong pull for us all to have a deeper connection. Not just superficial, hey, hi, how are you going? Yeah, I'm all right. No, actually truly ask with sincerity and with love, how are you actually going? Mm. Yeah. Once we start doing that, I think we are on the right path to to truly harmonize the world. And... Often social media is seen as a tool of, oh, you know, it's all superficial stuff, this, that, and the other. But send someone a message on social media. Yeah. You know, through WhatsApp, Facebook Messenger, whatever else is out there. I learned a new one this week, Telegram. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God, there's another one out there. Um, But there's so many different ways that we we can connect. And, you know, I'm even happy, happy for you to call me on the phone. Yeah. Let's go old fashioned, pick up the phone, <laughs> give me a I call if you that. just have a chat. You know, I'm happy for that. That's no problem at all. Any questions that people have, or you want to work with me, yes, come and see me. You know, I love it. Yeah, for everyone that's listening to this episode, I'm going to include all of Bianca's information in the show notes. So please go over, send her an email, show her some love, and connect connect so thank you so much Bianca for being on the show it's such a gift to have you here thank you thank you so much it was a true honor and a gift for me to be here too because even though you know I'm being asked all the questions you also shared your experiences and I'm learning at the same time I'm learning from you and it's just an amazing experience that way you know And for all the listeners as well, if you have any questions, just, you know, shout it out. Yeah. We're here to connect. We're here to to share our experiences. You know, we are not always the experts. We are also still on our own individual journeys and learning from other people. And I'm sure you who's listening has profound experiences and wisdom. So share that as well. Yeah, happy to hear. Beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for offering this beautiful podcast. You're so welcome. Hey there, fellow empath. Do you currently have an online presence to promote your business or dream of starting up one, but lack the confidence to fully show up for it? Does the thought of charging confidently for your work make you want to hide from promoting yourself? online because there are feelings of guilt, unworthiness, or even imposter syndrome? Do you settle for cookie cutter business ideas out of fear of what people may think 
if you dare show up original, because you know deep down there's a much bigger purpose you're meant to fulfill in this lifetime, but do you struggle with how to create it into a profitable offer? I created an intuitive program called Empowered Empath Embody You, designed for empaths that no longer want to get in their own way of feeling unapologetic in who they are and finally feel worthy of discovering and stepping into their life's work without the shame, guilt that may be attached to the wounds we've neglected to tend to. This program was especially crafted for you as a growing empowered empath that wants to incorporate a blend of using psychology, ancient spiritual wisdom, feminine embodiment, and birth charting to help you discover your true potential and create complete alignment in crafting an offer and business model you can authentically step into as an empathic, heart-centered creator and entrepreneur. Everyone in this lifetime is assigned with an intuitive divine purpose that is meant to be discovered and cultivated. That divine truth that you hear but have been ignoring is actually the real you, hidden by years of limiting beliefs and false thoughts that shows up in the form of people and learned experiences that causes you to downplay your big life and business vision goals because other scared people told you it was too good to be true. If you're interested in committing to meeting yourself and embodying the most powerful version of you as an empowered empath, sign up for the waitlist on when I'll be launching the program by going to michellesaya.com slash embody you. The link is included in the show notes. I'll see you on the other side.